0: Nico Case was once a bartender in a Chicago club called The Hideout. Now she's headlining shows around the world. I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from
1: WBEZ and Columbia College. Nico Case performs songs from her much-anticipated new album, and then we review an album from a real up-and-comer, Paul McCartney.
0: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news.
1: We have a couple of headlines this week in our ongoing coverage of the big changes in the music industry in this new millennium. Twitter is ending its music app. What? Twitter had a music app? They did. They launched it with big fanfare six months ago, hashtag music. And uh, it quickly rose to number six when it was introduced on Apple's free app rankings. But it never took off. It was down to number 1,700 or so last week when it was announced that Twitter's going to be closing down this app. The big problem seems to have been that the hashtag music app was never fed in to Twitter's main news feed. So people just didn't know it was there and weren't taking advantage of the music and videos streaming over Twitter. But I think this underscores how even huge companies that are very successful on one end of the net
0: can fail when they dabble with music. There was an interesting piece in The Guardian recently, Jim, basically saying, is Instagram killing the music video? Artists are failing in the way they are using that photo sharing site undercutting their own videos. You know, it, it can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a video still, even a million for if you're a big pop star like uh, Rihanna or Britney Spears. And the piece in The Guardian was basically saying... Rihanna's posted 33 Instagrams of her upcoming video. At a certain point, uh, the fans have seen the entire video or the process of making that video on Instagram. Why do they in fact have to watch the video? Britney Spears, same thing. She had 18 Instagrams posted of her work video. Less than 20 million views after five days. That was down by about half from her previous high for her last video. You know, if you went to these social media conferences a couple years ago, everybody was saying transparency is the big buzzword. You know, show people as much as you can of behind the scenes. But we're seeing a different tack being taken by artists like The Weeknd, and rye who are basically creating a sense of mystery around what they're doing and building anticipation that way. Maybe going the opposite way is to build interest in your product. And most of all, create some great music. Maybe that's where the emphasis should be going. Well, one place, Greg, that uh, videos still are thriving
1: is on YouTube. And YouTube is holding its first music awards on November 3rd in New York. Of course, it will be streaming online. It's interesting to see YouTube uh, stepping back and giving accolades to artists that have been using that forum and some artists that have been really breaking through on it. Now, Video of the Year has some very familiar names. Demi Lovato, Justin Bieber, okay, big with the tween market, uh, Miley Cyrus. But also some artists that really came up and were made by YouTube, epic rap battles of history history with that political clip uh, mashup thing that they had between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. I think the most interesting categories are the YouTube Breakthrough and Innovation of the Year. For the Breakthrough artists, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Macklemore and Lewis, Naughty Boy, Passenger and Rudimental are all nominated, and I think they really are artists that are building their audience through this new YouTube outlet, whereas Innovation of the Year really is uh, honoring videos that I think were really groundbreaking visually. The. The uh, Anamaguchi clip for Endless Fantasy, that Adams for Peace clip for Ingenue, Bat for Lashes, Lilies. Those are three that really blew my mind. But I am disappointed that Elvis's What Does the Fox Say is not up here nominated for anything. What do you think? This is voting that is open to the people who love and watch YouTube.
2: No, wrong, left your heart is that what devils do? took you so long Where fools I shook the angel and young. Now I'm rising from the crowd Rising
0: up to Leave it to the British charts, Jim, to uh, surprise us every once in a while with some new phenom. You know, I still haven't quite gotten my head around the whole Robbie Williams thing uh, that happened like two decades <laughs> ago. The hugest star in England, never made any kind yeah, of impact yeah. at all in the U.S., there's another guy who may qualify for that honor this week topping the British charts at a time when all these major releases are coming out. When we had new albums by Pearl Jam, Paul McCartney, Cher, The Arctic Monkeys, and Miley Cyrus, who are huge in England, have new albums out. No, the number one album in England this week is by a 23-year-old artist named John Newman. The song we just played, Love Me Again, is the number one single. Keep your eye on this 23-year-old guy who looks a heck of a lot like Rick Astley. He is the new rising
1: star in the UK. Well, Greg, Eddie Vedder and the Pearl Jam boys had better luck here at home. They debuted at number one on the Billboard Top 200 chart, selling 166,000 copies of Lightning Bolt, the new album that we reviewed last week. Miley Cyrus dipped to number two, but Paul McCartney debuts at number three. We're going to review his new album later in the show. Drake has been dominating the top ten for some time now. He's still up there at number four, and the Avet Brothers debut at number five with their Magpie and the Dandelion album. I'm encouraged by uh, Lord continuing to have a slot at number seven, and she's got the number one pop single with Royals. We're going to review her album next week.
2: My brain makes drugs to keep me slow A hilarious joke for some dead pharaoh But now not even the masons know What drug will keep that from coming?
0: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that song is Night Still Comes from the new album by Nico Case. The worse things get, the harder I fight, the harder I fight, the more I love you. That's a real mouthful, and that's Nico's sixth release. Over the past few years, she's let the world see a little bit more of her humor and given them some more insight into her personality, even though she still lives pretty privately in this farm out in Vermont. The songs on this album, not to mention the tweets that she's been giving over the last couple of years, are more revealing than ever. And just as this album is poised to bring her to bigger stages around the world, Jim and I thought it would be a lot of fun to bring her back to the place where it all started, the Chicago Music Club, The Hideout.
1: Nico Case worked as a bartender at the hideout in the early 2000s when it was the unofficial home to Chicago's alt-country scene. Eventually, she moved from self-release status to a much more powerful label, anti epitaph where she's on a roster with everyone from Mavis Staples to Kate Bush. This new release deals heavily with Nico's romantic frustrations, which you could hear on Night Still Comes. And that was one of the tracks she performed for us live at the hideout earlier this fall when she was joined by Eric Bachman on keyboards and guitar and Kelly Hogan on backing vocals.
3: Well, the first song we're gonna do is "Night Still Comes." Um, I t- didn't really know it was happening while it was happening because uh, uh, basically, there's there's not a phrase that isn't swear words to describe <laughs> it really. But um,
1: it was a tough time
3: for you. It was it was crappy, but it's a super boring, mundane adult style crap that everyone goes through. So I didn't want to make it sound like i thought it was some kind of special new crap that i invented with my genius uh feelings or anything because i don't really have those but uh it's just you know grief and you know sometimes if you don't stop to look at yourself and feel things your body will come after you later and it will take you down and uh take you down at the knee and punish you and dangle spit over your head for like three years. Mm -hmm. So you got to look it in the face and go, all right, fine, I'll feel it, fine. And then once you kind of give in to the feeling crappy and not in a goth way like, oh, this is awesome, there's a lot of eyeliner I'm going to wear kind of way, but just, (laughs) God, I'm a human blob of crappiness.
0: Mm. Does it start with a a few words or a melody in your head? I mean, where did... Night Still Comes, do you remember the first thought or the first glimmer of that song that you had?
3: I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird... People get really upset when you talk about it, but it's like just wanting it to be over. <laughs> just like not wanting to kill yourself, but not wanting to be alive either. It's kind of like you're stuck. Like, well, there's no way out, really, but it really sucks being here. And then you kind of give into it, and then you realize you're going to put on your... Union suit of crappy day, mm-hmm. day after day. And it's just going to take a really long time. But then when you kind of resign yourself to it, you would punch the clock. And uh, you just kind of feel like you're in a plastic bag. And you're with people, but you don't have any ability to conduct energy. Or not energy, but electricity at all. And you don't have any... You can touch people and see people, but you don't connect with them whatsoever. It's just not awesome. And it's not unusual. Like, most people deal with it all the time. So... I was working every day, though, and this is one of the songs I wrote then. I don't remember writing all of it. Not like in an awesome... It just channels through me the muse, man. (laughs) But in a, you know, just feeling kind of numb. But
1: these are are complicated, complex, deep feelings you're talking about. And I guess Mm -hmm. we wonder how that becomes such poetic words (sighs) tied to such a lovely melody.
3: Well, I think when I realized I didn't really have anything else like for me songwriting the joy of that is making up stories and having the songs not be about me cuz I'm not particularly interesting like I do the same thing all the time you know uh I work all the time I'm a workaholic like nobody goes out to the music store to be like oh her compositions about being a workaholic are <laughs> mind blowing <laughs> um so I, I I realized that these were the songs I had and it wasn't going to get far removed and I was pretty down about that but then I just kind of realized well you got to trust your audience at a certain point and if they don't like it they don't like it but they're nice they've been around for a long time so give them the benefit of the doubt that they can show up and you know not think you're such a bad person for making a record about yourself
0: Just a mechanical thing Is it, are you sitting there with a guitar or a notepad are you singing into a microphone um, what's the first thing that you this say occurs This one I wrote
3: to, to guitar so In a hotel room, I think.
0: And, and were, are you recording yourself at that point already, or is it just something Oh, just into the phone. Yeah.
3: Nothing, nothing major.
0: Oh, that's cool. Just so, into the phone. So a little, I used to have an
3: Iowa that would make everything go really slow, and uh, I actually truly miss that. But I'm sure there will be an app soon that makes crappy analog tape, handheld recorder sounds.
0: Does does the melody come right away, or the words? What what comes first? Or they, the words do they usually
3: together? come first, but it happens all different ways. Sometimes there's just a phrase that won't leave you alone, and then see so write it down, and then you know, then you realize you're singing it while you're doing your dishes or something. But mm-hmm. you know, some people. I I remember recently hearing an interview with Nick Cave on Mark Maron, and he's talking about how he goes to his office every single day for eight hours a day and works. Which is something I really admire, but something I'm not even remotely capable of. So yeah,
1: he actually talks about having a real writer's garret up in a tower at the top of the. Well, his that's house. like
4: yeah, that guy Joseph Mitchell, you know, who would uh, like for the last twenty years kept going to work, and they'd hear him in there. The great writer Joseph Mitchell, like, tick, 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 and like what's he doing? And then he would. Is it a tape recording of well, typewriter? And he uh, was no, sleeping after, or something. After he died, they went in, and it was like an empty bottle of whiskey, and then just he was just doing this, yeah. like it was just <laughs> a bunch of. <laughs> just letters, you know, all work and no play but he, he would just there come in and like <sighs> yeah. probably yeah. listen to a baseball game and, and he'd like, see ya, whew, what a day
0: It is that Jack so, Nicholson play. scene in The yeah, Shining yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Sound Opinions We're here with Nico Case We just heard a beautiful story about Night Still Comes and here's the song, I guess, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Sure <clears throat> Alright, i start this one, I think
2: All right. My brain oh. makes drugs to keep oh. me slow A hilarious joke To some dead pharaoh But now not even the masons know What drug will keep night from coming Say it's easy for me But I revenge myself All over myself There's nothing you could say to me You never held it At the right angle You never held it At the right angle Catch a, catch a, catch a, catch a falling star Wash your hands of it Catch a, catch a, catch Catch a falling star Because you can't puked up some sonnets Would you call me a miracle? I'm gonna go where my urge leads no more Swallowed waist deep in the gore of the forest A boreal feast Let it finish me please Cause I've revenged myself all over myself There's nothing new You never held it at the right angle You never held it at the right angle catch a, catch a, catch a, catch a, catch a falling star Wash your hands of it Catch a, catch a, catch a, catch a falling star Because you can't own it You never held it at the right Held it at the right angle. You never held it. You never held it. You never held it.
0: This night still comes from Nico case with Kelly Hogan and Eric Bachman live on sound opinions. We'll have more with Nico and Company in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRx. And later we'll hear what Sir Paul McCartney has to offer, and I'll drop a quarter in a desert island jukebox you
2: catch the light, There's a flash of wild creatures for the stone age of the preachers and the husbands and the wives Ooh, Catch light The flood changes direction And darkens the lands That projects my disguise As you fight alongside you'll discover my weakness I'm not fighting for your freedom I am fighting to be wise
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Kot with Jim DeRogatis, and that's a song called Man. It's by our guest this week, Nico Case. Now, for many of you, Nico's a name you already know, but of course she didn't start that way. You know, she was slogging her way through the music industry, and like many musicians, had to do a number of side gigs to supplement her income. One gig was as a bartender at the legendary Chicago club, The Hideout. So we recorded our conversation there hours before Nico headlined its annual music festival before thousands of people. But first, we wanted to hear her memories of those early days.
2: Well,
3: The Hideout is kind of a, a... A warm fireplace magnet that just draws you in. And uh, I think that I might be the employee who's famous for working the least amount of shifts <laughs> and going to the most employee meetings.
0: And what about those shows here? What do you remember about those early on? This is before you Super were Super world- positive yeah. good times? Yeah.
3: I don't know. Like, it was the pretty much the greatest time of my life. Like, uh, it feels like you're a part of history happening it doesn't feel like you're trying to replicate something somewhere else or another time like you really want to be here now it's not like a strip mall of an experience and people really you know care about you here
1: what were you going to play next
3: local girl i think
2: local girl yeah mm-hmm.
3: giving the finger to love <laughs> is that what this is about well it's just giving the finger to people who talk about it like they know what they're talking about. Like as, it's all as if. <laughs> I'm all you don't know.
1: What? Where does this one come in relation to the other songs? What part of you know? At what stage was the album? Pure rage.
3: It? it was just pure rage and resentment and uh, spitefulness, base emotions of destruction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you were angry, in other words. I'm going to
3: destroy love for all of you. I said. I said to my tiny phone tape recorder, "I'll show you no. world."
1: Well without getting unduly personal, was there was there an event in your life that prompted this anger?
3: No, just all of them.
1: Hmm. All of Cumulative. Cumulative. Yeah. And yet you uh, The
3: agape kind is good, but Uh the the make outy kind is no good.
1: So you're celibate now, like Morrissey?
3: No, I just—it just—I have a really bad attitude, obviously, as you can see from this song. So I'm not really drawing that energy toward myself. I'm a lesson in how not to to get any action, because I'm I'm a pissy old weasel, probably. I'm a pissy young weasel, but.
0: So what's striking about that is what you just said—the anger that was there—and yet you've got this beautiful arrangement, those bell-like tones and the and the chorus in there. It doesn't get you laid. Yeah. (laughs) So the beauty of the music doesn't help.
3: No, not at all.
0: Did, Did you look at that though? As sort of like, I need this song needs something to make it. Listenable. I mean, it's so angry, and it's so... I've got all this bile, so I'm going to surround it with these beautiful sounds. Almost like camouflage? It was fine. It was
3: just the sentiment. I mean, if I didn't tell you that's what it was about, maybe you wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm too close to it. I just feel like... Might as well just be honest. It was just me feeling sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. Like a total baby. (laughs) Why doesn't anyone love me? I'll tell you why nobody (laughs) loves you.
0: Does writing a song like that help?
3: Oh, for about eight minutes, yeah. <laughs>
0: While you're singing I it. got
3: one over on love. I'm bigger than it, uh, but you're not. Me, I'm not. I mean.
0: Here's Local Girl from uh, Nico Case, Kelly Hogan, and Eric Bachman.
2: Yeah. I pass the light that the young people make out joyfully. It's wasted. I feel the weight of the needles repeat and sigh Saying my weight in metric trash, trip the light and tight and you'll give up some local girl while I lights, our lights, plot out of face. All of you lie about you no know you day do. All of your shame on
0: girl from nico case and kelly hogan and eric bachman here at the hideout a few hours from now hideout block party is going to begin the album the Worse things get the harder i fight the harder i fight the more i love you when you first started performing on the stage nico a lot of the songs were covers and not your own material necessarily mm-hmm. you've become a songwriter you basically write all the songs on your records just about at this point you're the producer a lot of people may not realize that you play guitar and a number of instruments on your records. Um, You're pretty much running the show. What made that transition to writing original music? What made you want to write original songs after the first couple of years of, of performing?
3: Well, I always wanted to write them. I just I wasn't good at playing guitar and then right around... Furnace from Lullaby. I recorded with my friend Don Kerr, who has an awesome studio in Toronto called the Gas Station, and he had a tenor guitar. And I have really super tiny hands, which you can see on the radio. They're tiny. They're like (laughs) little circus circus hands. They're like little marmoset hands or something. And I, I was trying to play guitar, and I just I couldn't get you know the reach. Like I couldn't. I wasn't making enough progress to have anything sound like music fast enough to keep it self-sustaining, and uh, so I just wouldn't really get very far, and then when I saw the tenor guitar, it's like the clouds parted, and the prayer book (laughs) light came down, (laughs) and I said, Don, what is that handsome instrument, and he said, that's a tenor guitar, and uh, I went and bought one right away, and started playing guitar, and then I just kind of became more in charge of my own phrasing, but... After doing that, I also realized I don't really like writing completely by myself all the time because it's really lonely, and uh, I definitely like to play with other people. I don't just sit around and play for myself on my own. I sing around the house all the time, but I don't think I'm really listening to that. I just do it, but I I like the the energy between two people trying to make one sound more than I like sitting there listening to my own playing, so Mm
0: -hmm.
3: I tend to bring other people in on it.
0: Well, the orchestration and the production, part two of that equation. do you hear those sounds in your head as you're writing the song originally, or is that something that sort of
3: There' will be some basics, but generally I don't have any idea what it's going to sound like I, I kind of just hire people that I really like what they do, so i don't have to, i don't have to give a whole lot of direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I generally am like, "Go, do that again, you <laughs> know, but for the most part, no, and you know I'd also like to point out that you know i have been the producer for a very long time and i don't people don't ever think that i do that for some reason right. but at the same time like every single person who contributed to the record like if they chose a guitar sound that they used on the record that's part of the production so we're all the producer in a way in the end i have uh executive vetoing decisions and that kind of makes me in charge in a way but it's not cuz i'm trying to claim ownership but I do I get a little pissy when people are like oh yeah and so and so produced your record
5: (laughs) it's like
3: there's just not a lot of women who produce so they just immediately assume it's a dude and I'm guilty of that too like I often will hear something and think a dude did it and I'm like ah I can't believe I just did that
0: well I think it goes back to uh, you know like Phil Spector making a record with Darlene Love or, or Ronnie Spector or something like that they just assume that the guys calling all the shots and the women were just basically following Mm-hmm. A guy's orders, you know, and that, I think that's right. Well, well Carol Kay is not yeah. getting her due, yeah, right, for like right. coming right. up right. with
3: the whole groove of it or something, uh, right.
0: you
1: know. It's the tragic price of being an ingenue.
3: Well, <laughs> I mean, I've seen so much change in my lifetime just from the '70s to now. So, you know, I could sit around bitching about it, but really, I'll just keep trying to correct myself and just not being a dick about it, but just reminding people, like, actually, that was a lady. <laughs> and then when yeah. you when you say that, people go, "Oh my God!" what? I, I'm doing that too. And, and, and so we kind of have a laugh about it. No, we just have to reprogram our brains altogether, mm-hmm. including me. Like, I mean, the, the, when I first realized that I was doing that was the Cramps were my favorite band. And I don't even know how many records I listened to of theirs and ones that I held in my hands with photos. Like, I couldn't get it through my head that Poison Ivy Rorsark was the guitar player. <laughs> And she's credited on there. She's holding the guitar. She's playing it. <laughs> and so that it's that's when I miss. realized I had a real lady in rock and roll deficit going on in my brain. But thank goodness for heart. There was a little piece of there was a piece of sinew holding it on there that made me go, okay, yes, I got to stitch that up right
1: mm-hmm. now. I want to get back to the songwriting. So after those first wonderful albums where you're completely reinterpreting a lot of standard country songs and other tunes, right, it comes the beginnings of the songwriting, thanks to that guitar. We get a lot of great songs about slaughter and animals <laughs> for years <laughs> up to uh, Middle Cyclone. We've talked much about slaughter and animals on previous Sound Opinions with you. Now this turned toward autobiography, which really is a departure for you. Are you going to stay there? Are you going to continue to I hope not.
3: that? I really <laughs> hope not. I am boring, and I do not want to make more records about me. I mean, if something really cool happens, like, I just climb Mount Everest. Maybe I'll write a song about the lovely lichens that most people don't ever get to see or something, but you know, honestly, all I do is play music and work and work on the farm and go on tour and that's enough for me. I'm I'm into it, but I don't
1: I don't know. Well, well, then are you afraid that you... I'm not
3: changing the face of the earth or anything.
1: I, you know, this is the two of us as rock critics, but we've always contended that maybe some of those songs about animals and slaughtering was, were metaphorical. Um, no, they're
3: always literal. Oh Well... I swear to God, they're always literal. But now,
1: now you know, now they're, they're literal. They're autobiographical. Mm. You've let it all hang out. Are, were you afraid at some point about this record that maybe I'm sharing too much?
3: Oh, yeah, the whole time. I mean, not while I was writing it, because honestly, I don't remember a lot of the early process at all, just, like, doing it because I did it like I work every day. And uh, just thinking, God, this is so dull and and uninteresting, and it's not a new experience at all. But you got to trust your audience and go, well, they're big enough. They can handle it. They've they've been around. And, you know, maybe if, if I try to add some of those things back in that I'm really missing like some of the storytelling elements or kooky adjectives <laughs> I don't know maybe people can make it about themselves I mean hopefully people don't have to make it about themselves because it's kind of a downer but I yeah, but, did but, 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 make fun but, but. of myself a lot though on the record so there, there is like I don't care how detrimental people say it is or how dangerous it is like it's it's pretty hilarious to be super depressed
1: sometimes like wow <laughs> There's I, some
3: seriously funny I stuff that goes on. I think it was
1: brave, and I think it was generous. You know, we're all going through. I wouldn't go with generous. No. I would. I would. You know, I mean, my parents are are, in, are of a certain age, and it's really difficult to It'd see be them odious. falling apart. And and your parents died, and your grandmother died, and you're sharing a lot of these feelings. And we all go through this. You know, it's particularly at a particular time in your life, mm-hmm. right? And and then to have some uh, somebody who puts it into exactly the right words and the right emotion with that music is is a is a very kind thing to do.
3: Aww. For the rest of us. Thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what song are we gonna hear next? Give us a little background on this on this one.
3: Are you are you cool with doing calling cards? Yeah, so e like, B. Right.
0: This is another heartbreaker. What? Calling cards? Oh, oh this one's this, uplifting. Yeah, this one's. Yeah? It just
3: sounds up. like the most of a bummer. It's a a love letter to my bandmates because I'm in lots of bands. Uh huh. And so you know, you go on a tour with one band and then you find yourself missing the other band and vice versa.
0: You're listening to Sound Opinions. We've got Nico Case here at the hideout with Kelly Hogan and Eric Bachman and they're about to play Calling Cards.
2: Truck stop every heartbreak I love you more Looking like you just woke up from making songs Shooting satellites that blew up the payphones Singing we'll all be together Even when we're not together With our arms around each other With our faith still in each other I've got calling calls
1: Beautiful calling cards by Nico Case, Kelly Hogan, Eric Bachman. Thank you so much. Hey, Kelly, we can't have you on this stage and not ask you how's the follow up to that spectacular album you put out? My album of
4: self flagellation. (laughs) (laughs) I like to keep myself in pain. We love
1: that record though. (laughs) Are you making Um, a new one?
4: I'm working on some lyrics, and I'm, I'm hatching it like an egg.
1: The friendship and the partnership you've had as, as vocalists, uh, as, as uh, co-conspirators, were you worried about Nico being in this dark place, making these oh, songs? Sure. And were you, what were you thinking when you were hearing the songs?
4: Well, uh, well, when I was hearing the songs, I mean, every time I get demos, it's just like, whew. And uh, I, I'm, she's my hero of, because I don't write many songs, so she's my hero of letting her own freak flag she runs it up the flagpole and every record there's more embroidery on it and more spiders and more guts and, you know, (laughs) and, but that, you know, the more detail is just the more universal. And I think people can relate to your songs on this record too, but um, she, yeah, I'm, she, she must, we're like, it's more familial, you know, sisters. So yeah, we we help each other. We're out. like those chipmunks in the um. Oh no, after in the you. Warner Brothers cartoon. Oh no, I insist after you. No, no. oh no, indubitably after you. So no, I, I had her. Well, we call this Booby Island. What to I our like, vegetables? Come over here on Booby Island, girl. I got you. But um, I mean, as far as like the first time I heard Nearly Midnight Honolulu, the demo for that, and I was just, I mean, that song is, uh, she'll say like it's written verbatim. It was like a, that's exactly what happened. And I was I was just crying, and I was like, this is gonna help. So many people This is going to unlock and shake up that box And just like It's, it, it's going to help so many people So she's my idol We were waiting for the
2: shuttle To take us to the Aeroplane When your mother said Your mother said Like I couldn't hear her She said Get the fuck away From me
5: why don't you ever shut
2: up? Get the fuck away from me. Oh, oh,
1: We really want to thank Nico Case, Kelly Hogan, Eric Bachman for being on Sound yeah! Opinions.
2: Baby, come out and meet you in the street.
0: You can listen to all of Nico's interview and performance again on soundopinions.org. Have you got a comment or anything else on your mind about music? give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Jim and I will be back after a short break on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with a review of the new album by Paul McCartney.
1: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that is Sir Paul McCartney with a track called New, the title cut of his new album, New, 16th solo album, Greg, of Sir Paul's storied career. He was in The Beatles. What else do you really have to say? Not much, right? One of the most important artists of our lifetimes of all time. I think, though, one of the things you and I have always been most inspired about is his willingness, despite this legacy, to continue to take risks, whether it's making albums as The Fireman doing EDM or playing around with super furry animals doing Liverpool sound collage. Here, he's trying to stay current and cutting edge in an interesting way, reaching out to several hot hip, producers. Mark Ronson got a lot of success under his belt with Amy Winehouse, Lily Allen, and Bruno Mars. Ethan Johns, who's worked with Kings of Leon and Ryan Adams. Paul Epworth, who's done Florence and the Machine and Adele. And overseeing this and producing additional tracks, his old pal George Martin's son, Mm. Giles, who also brought that Beatles fest love to Las Vegas. So what is Sir Paul giving us musically on this album? Let's play a track. It's the second on the disc. It's called Alligator by Paul McCartney from New on Sound Opinions.
5: Everybody else busy doing better than me. And I can see why it is.
2: They got someone setting them free. Someone breaking a chain. we this. Week.
0: That is Alligator from the new Paul McCartney record, New. Jim, those uh, little shotgun recording sessions he had with those four younger producers, that was basically the working method here. And there are bits of brilliance that came out of those sessions. You know, the way he can hone in on a lyric like the discarded cigarette boxes in that song, On My Way to Work, and build a whole narrative about it around his young life, or that Eastern vibe he gets on Appreciate with that kind of backward guitar solo at the end that reminds me of a lot of his work with The Fireman, and then a track like Early Days that reminds me of the vibe from his 2007 album, Memory Almost Full, where he's looking back on working with a young John Lennon in 1950s Liverpool, and the tone in his voice, the wistfulness in the lyric, that's top stuff from McCartney. But... You don't get the full-on Paul McCartney experience here because you've got a lot of throwaway tracks, tracks that he just didn't seem to bother to finish. Some of those one-syllable rhymes that he's coming up with in songs like Queenie Eye and Looking at Her and that bouncy song I Can Bet... They sound like toss-ups, like, hey, Paul, you needed to roll up your sleeves and work on these songs a little bit longer to get them up to A-level. That Coldplay-style arena anthem that he did, everybody out there, where he's saying, hey, anybody out there, talk to me, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that whole shtick of, you can just see he's going to be playing this in the stadiums when he's touring over the next couple of years. Not McCartney at his best. Even though I think the previous couple of records that he's put out have been very good, this record is more slapdash. A couple of good songs on here. The rest, nah, not so good. It's a Burn It record for me. Well, you didn't even mention the song we
1: played, Alligator. I need somebody who's a sweet communicator, somebody I can give my alligator to. It's laudable for him to work with these sonic craftsmen who are going to challenge him. And his band, we've made this point several times in recent years, is excellent. You know, some great young players who really can kick his butt on stage. It's a shame, though, that everyone remains cowed of this genius and unable to say, Hey, Paul. (laughs) you got to write some new words for Alligator Dude, okay? You know, obviously, Lennon and McCartney being the the greatest collaborators in rock history, he just never has had anyone who's had, you know, the courage to go up to him and say, Paul, this is only half-baked. Let's work on it a little longer. Uh, You know, sonically, this album is wonderful. I don't like when he's in the good old days mode. Give us some songs about being here now and work a little harder on the lyrics." Still in all, it's Paul McCartney. I'm glad he's still making music. I give it a burn it for that reason. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched.
2: Remember,
5: we were shipwrecked
1: together? Greg, those introductory sounds means it's time to choose a track for The Desert Island, a song we
0: cannot live without. What do you got? Jim, talking about Paul McCartney got me thinking about Harry Nielsen because uh, Harry Nielsen's got a big new box set of his albums just out. Nielsen was a confidant, friend, muse for the Beatles uh, when his career began in the late 60s. McCartney and John Lennon both championed him. And in fact, John Lennon Worked with Nielsen on a record that came out in 1974 called Pussycats. Now, prior to this, Nielsen had had quite a bit of success. He'd written a song called One, which became a huge hit for Three Dog Night. He sung Everybody's Talking, which was a huge hit for the Midnight Cowboy movie. He had just released the Nielsen Schmielsen record, which had a number one hit called Without You on it. People love this guy as a songwriter, as a creative arranger. A guy with a a three-and-a-half-octave range in his voice. However, the time that these two guys got together, this was the infamous lost weekend for Lennon, that time apart from Yoko Ono. He was basically drinking and drugging himself to death in Los Angeles. Harry Nielsen was following suit. His marriage had just broken up. These guys were in a bad place mentally in addition Nielsen's beautiful voice was all but shot during one of the binges that he had been on he did some serious damage to his vocal cords and basically recorded this record with less than half the voice that he once had so there was a lot of things wrong with this record it got panned when it came out but I found two or three things on here that are absolutely brilliant in kind of an off-putting way because nobody expected these kind of things from Harry Nielsen at this point. The song that I want to play, Black Sails, is like nothing else he'd ever recorded. It's got this fractured poetry in it. It's got this voice that sounds like it's teetering on the edge. It's this song about obsession, this chilling string arrangement that Lennon came up with, holy mackerel, commenting on what's going on in the song. I'll bury my heart on some island and I'll take you there someday to find it. I want you, I need you, I love you. No other man will ever reap your rays. It sounds like an Edgar Allan Poe short story set to this string arrangement. It's Harry Nilsson with John Lennon on Black Sails on Sound Opinions.
5: Black sails in the moonlight Black past on your eyes, you shiver your temples, baby. Now, shiver mine. A treasure map is hidden on your legs your veins.
1: Harry Nilsson and John Lennon with Black Sails, Greg
0: Cott's Desert Island jukebox pick. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week, time for a classic album dissection. This week, the 45th anniversary of Van Morrison's Astral Weeks. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say. Special thanks to
1: Adam Yaffe and The Hideout for that recording with Nico Case. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, Anthony Martinez, and our intern, Jake Smith. And we have a little bit of news on the way out. We have to say Mazel Tov for the uh, nuptial announcement from Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. But really, yay, you don't do it a- a- at the home of the Sox or the Cubs? What's wrong with you, Giant Stadium?
2: Eight five three five nine three seven and you come make it to the phone if you get to leave your name and number. She'll give you a ring when she is home.
0: On sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Jim and Greg, what's going on, guys? This is Ben from Los Angeles. Lately, you guys are killing me with these pretentious, boring artists. Just got done listening to uh, Willis Earl Beal, and I gotta say, the guys, woe is me. I'm a poor, misunderstood artist. I'm not sure if I even like my audience or, or my label or anything. That whole tired shtick would be forgivable if his music was just not so boring. If it was actually interesting. I
5: got no love. Slapped it all right. Yes, I'm in transition going town to town. I ain't got no love 'cause I slapped it all right. Yes, I'm in transition.
0: Going town to town Hate to say it, but the sound of the screen of Leon record felt it was like a breath of fresh air after listening to to this guy. I don't know. I wish you would get back to uh, talking about music that matters. Keep up uh, something. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll keep listening anyway. Bye.
4: I was just listening to your
2: Halloween selections. Judy Collins, 1968, Pretty Polly, really brutal, bloody murder at the end of that song, and besides being an awesome blues song. My name is Sandy, and I am in Chesterton, Indiana. Thank you.
1: Hi, I'm just talking about your show on uh, murder songs. My name's Mike. Great show as usual. I did want to comment on even though it's a jazz song and doesn't fit your rock show category, Billie Holiday singing Strange Fruit is one of the most intense songs I've ever heard about murder. There's my two cents.
2: Southern tree. Nobody's swinging in the southern breeze Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees
0: Hey guys, Chris from New York, calling from the Five Barrels, Chris the Garbage Man. I gotta say, the Halloween murder song show was excellent, 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 excellent. The best murderous line song I have to say is Guns N' Roses, I Used to Love, I Had to Kill Her. Remember the line? I always say, she buried in my backyard, I can still hear her complain.
2: I used to love her, but I had to kill her. I used to
5: love her, ooh, yeah, but I had to kill her.
0: Six under, and I still hear her classic 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 trust me i used to think about that when i was going for my divorce all right guys you take care bye no more messages,
2: no more messages.
1: to give us your opinions on sound opinions call our hotline 888-859-1800 we'll be back next week with more sound opinions Produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.